Always tell you, love my Boyer's Coffee. Have it religiously every day. Have it delivered to my house because I'm a K-Cup guy, and it's just easier to get it done that way. You order online at boyerscoffee.com, and voila, within 48 hours, it is right at your door. And they have so many great flavors right now. They always have new flavors going on. Go to boyerscoffee.com and uh, check out those new flavors and have their wonderful product delivered right to your house. As I always say, for the holidays, you can go shopping on there and maybe surprise some people uh, as well with Boyer's Coffee Under the Tree. How about that? Boyer's Coffee Under the Tree. Boyer'sCoffee.com. Get it next time you are in the store or have it delivered as I do to your home. Steel products, steel power tools, they are the best in the business. They're used by amateurs like me and you. They're used by professionals all over the country, all over the world. Go to stihlsteeldealers.com to find the nearest dealer in your area. There are more than 10,000 around the country or stihlsteelusa.com. Take your time and peruse through that website, and uh, you are going to be, as I like to say, blown away, figuratively and literally, by all the different products they have that can help you keep your lawn, keep your plants, keep your forest, if you have one, in wonderful condition. Mowers, blowers, trimmers, chainsaws, and I love battery-powered Products Love their battery-powered products. That's what I have. It's just simple. It's powerful. Um, and all of their products from the battery side, made in America. It's steel, S-T-I-H-L. Hey, give a steel product for Christmas or for Hanukkah. You'll be glad you did. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com, steelusa.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, it's part two of Drew's conversation with CU Buffs legend Charles Johnson and CJ's reaction to the way Coach Prime spoke to the team. To my old ears, it shook me a little bit. I'll be completely candid with you. And the press conference. There was this convergence of cultures that I watched this dynamic play out. I was hardened by Dion's authenticity. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman podcast welcome in everybody to show number 180 180 and we'll have part two with charles johnson here in a moment a couple of quick thoughts a lot of signings in major league baseball i know the rockies have been relatively quiet and they were expected to be quiet on the on the free agent front i know there were some people out there that were hoping since the rockies have a need for a center fielder that they would um Take a shot at Brandon Nimmo, who's from up the road in Cheyenne, as I think many of you know. And for me, not a great fit at the money that was talked about that he might command. And ultimately, the money that was talked about, he exceeded. Now, great for Brandon Nimmo. I've conversed with him uh, a few times over the years. Great kid, great young man. He's not a kid. He's 30 now. But this was the first year that Brandon Nimmo stayed healthy and stayed on the field. And he was really solid. And if you asked me to describe him and his numbers, I would keep coming back to that term. Not a star, just really solid. Solid center fielder. 
gets on base at a pretty good clip, hit lefties for the first time last year. Um, you know, some pop, not a base stealer. He grinds, great teammate. First time, though, that he's been able to stay on the field. He's dealt with a myriad of injuries throughout his career. The Mets have the richest owner in sports in Steve Cohen, and he's not afraid to spend. And eight years and $162 million for a guy that's played really one full season. Again, good for Brandon Nimmo, but that is, I mean, that's crazy to me. And on top of it, the Rockies weren't looking for somebody long-term because the strength of their farm system is with young outfielders like Zach Veen, like Benny Montgomery, and there are others coming. And uh, I think that the Rockies want to see what happens with those guys. They have uh, high hopes for those guys. And, and, and it's not just hope. There is... <laughs> based on what they've done so far in the minor leagues and certainly where they were drafted, um, they've backed some of that up, some of these young guys. So uh, we'll see what the Rockies do moving forward. Uh, but I did want to mention that on, um, on Brandon Nimmo. Some of the other signs, crazy money being thrown around. And the other thing that jumps out at me, especially after the winter meetings, was the San Diego Padres. I mean, it's like they, have, they must have live money as in the Live Golf Tour, the Sodi-backed uh, Live Golf Tour money behind them. I mean, they're just throwing around offers. And on one hand, from afar, you respect it. And if you're a Padre fan, you got to love it. It's not your money. I always say that. You know, when people go, I wouldn't spend my money here, wouldn't, wouldn't spend it there. I get it. You, we all play amateur GM. At the end of the day, it's not our money. But the Padres, Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, Aaron Judge goes back to the Yankees. First time I had an opportunity to, to comment on that. Not shocked by that. And I think it's a good thing. When a guy can play like Todd Helton, uh, be a Hall of Fame caliber player in one uniform, special. I think Aaron Judge realized that. I think he realizes that if he continues on the track that he is on, that uh, one day he could have a monument out there. And um, the Yankees are maybe the most storied franchise in the world in the world. Think about that. It's a big place, the world. So I understand why he went back there. Uh, he bet on himself and he made another, you know, what, $140, $150 million. Good for him. There are going to be more deals coming down the pike and we'll talk more about uh, those as we move forward. Uh, but a lot of money out there, man. Really crazy amount of money out there. Well, still one of the biggest stories going in sports is Primetime coming to Colorado, Deion Sanders. You see, he arrived uh, in the second half of the CU-CSU basketball game. The place, like, erupted. He's like a rock star. I mean, it, it is incredible. And that is why people are excited, because kids are excited. And you keep hearing about top recruits now, including Colorado, on their list of possibilities. The transfer portal is going to be fascinating. He put out uh, that he's going to have the biggest recruiting weekend in the history of Colorado, and, and who would doubt him? And I've always said this, talent wins, and well-coached talent wins in a big way. And so he remains a huge story. And my friend uh, Joel Klatt, I think, summed it up very well. Colorado, the University of Colorado football program, is now all of a sudden the most talked about football program in the country. That is one remarkable turnaround. 
And I know the proof ultimately will be when they line up and start playing games in the fall. And, and you know, you have to let this process play out because even if he comes up with the greatest recruiting class ever, they're still 18 years old, depending on what he gets in the in the portal. So there is going to be a transition period. But you got to figure talent wise, they're going to be remarkably different than they were as they lined up in uh, 2022. So continuing on that vein, and because I love talking to Charles Johnson, last week in uh, part one, uh, CJ reminisced on the fifth down. If you didn't catch it, that's show number 179. He reminisced uh, uh, about his days in, um, in Boulder and that national championship season. Then we got into immediately the impact of, of Dion um, and uh, what his – Initial impressions were being at that press conference. And this week, in part two, we're going to get more into the nuts and bolts of what it really means. We'll also get his reaction on the on the somewhat mild controversy, but it was a story for 24 or 48 hours, which is about the life of any story these days. And that was Dion addressing the University of Colorado current roster. And was he too harsh? We'll get into that here in part two. And another item, as CJ called it, the convergence of cultures. So a lot to do in part two. I'm sure you enjoyed part one. Again, if you did not, go back and listen to that. But part two coming up with the former University of Colorado quarterback, former member of the media, and uh, a terrific guy, Charles Johnson. There were so many things to come out of that that press conference, and really the Boulder as a whole, and the and the football program as a whole, in that twelve hour space that he was actually in Colorado because he's back in Jackson getting his you know his team ready for for next weekend. And the other piece was when he addressed the current University of Colorado football team, and. That was, in, in some circles, controversial because, I mean, he was up front. And in, in Dion's speak, he was like, hey, you know what? If if you can't cut it, jump in the portal now because I, I want more buy, more seats to fill up in here. And, and you know, many, many of you won't be here. And I think some people found that harsh. CJ, God knows how many times you were sitting in, uh, you know, a theater and in and in, 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 in front of a, a head coach, Bill McCartney, and and cetera. Did you find that in any way either over the top or too harsh? You know, Drew, what it was, it's a reflection of the reality of college football today. To my old ears, it was it, – it, it shook me a little bit. I'll be completely candid with you. And then I began to think – Again, this is what we praise this guy for, for his candor and authenticity. And what he's saying, you know, now we're beginning to say the quiet parts out loud. I would much rather hear a coach tell me this is the unfiltered truth about what we're up against and what my challenge is and how I view it than getting all the BS, all the sound bites, knowing that or not knowing that the plan is something completely different than what I'm hearing. And we are in a day and age now. Think about this. Think about this. The University of Colorado changed 
some of its rules around student athletes who, who would like to transfer in to accommodate this hire, not just because Deion Sanders is such, uh, you know, a, a cultural iconic figure, but because they realized in order to compete, in order to compete, it had to sort of update some of what I would call some archaic rules around transfers. That is a reaction to the reality of college athletics today. And when you look at the largest of money that's in the sport, we're talking about revenue shares. If you're in a power five, we're talking about revenue shares that's approaching $100 million a year. Now, that money isn't just allocated to, you know, new shoes and uh, new cleats and, and facilities around campus. There are, there are other sports on campus that depend on that revenue. It actually impacts the campus and the experience that student-athletes and faculty and staff have on campus. So CU's in a position where they have to say, we're either going to play in that game or we're going to be at the, you know, the, 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 the sort of mid-major conference, you know, table that might share $20 million or $15 million. We have to make a decision. Clearly, the university is deciding, look, we're going to sit at the big boy table as it relates to college athletics because we know if we're not sharing in that revenue, then it impacts in a negative way, in my opinion, the experience of everyone. It is the tide that lifts all boats. And so Dion is just a reflection of that reality today, and, and I am not offended by it. In fact, I appreciate, once again, this can he, he listen. He's a really bright guy, and and he doesn't do anything. I don't think it may appear that he does a lot of things off the cuff, but there is it's thought out. And before he addressed a room of you know seventy five, eighty five, I don't know. It didn't seem like it was completely full, so it's not over a hundred. But of those CU players that just got you know beat up and and tried their ass off, but went one in eleven. I think his message was pretty clear. I want to challenge in a harsh way and find out who just jumps in the portal and who's got the gumption to say, no, no, guess what? I can play with you and I can be a part of this solution, if you will. That's fine. You called us out. Good. I'm going I'm to be here when you get back. That's right. Hey, Drew, there's so much to that, man. And, and here's, the, here's the reality. You and I both know this intimately well, too well. There are probably some, some young student athletes in that room who may, who may not, who shouldn't be in that room, right? And here's the reality. Some kids will, there'll be a number of kids who will transfer, and they will find themselves at a university participating in football and having a a, a far greater experience than what it was or what it may have been here at Colorado. At the end of the day, that's what matters most. It's not whether or not Deion Sanders loved or wants you or if the message is too harsh. A year from now, there will be a number of kids who are in that room who will find themselves elsewhere enjoying life and having an experience that I want them to have and that everyone who's sort of been through this 
cycle, having participated, want them to have. It doesn't have to be in a bus uniform because it's about the experience that those individuals uh, have in these sort of formative years of their lives. And so uh, while it may sound harsh and, and, and cold at this at this point, um, check back in a year from now and see how those young men are doing wherever they land if they decide to leave CU. I love that you said that, CJ, uh, because I tell kids that I coach all the time, and I did this with my three boys, and it was it was on the baseball front, but go somewhere you can play. Every kid wants to go to UCLA or Arizona State and play baseball or LSU or Arkansas, right? Guess what? <laughs> Only a handful get to do that. But can you have a great experience and play at an NAIA or a Division Three or Division Two, and you get to play? And I always say this, if you're one of those freaks or a needle in the haystack that's good enough to get paid, they'll find you. Just like one of the offensive linemen, I think the right guard for the for the Broncos was a D3 kid. Um, you know that. And, and, and also I want to point to you in this regard is, CJ, you went to Colorado at, at a, the Midwest, and you're an option quarterback. You knew the chances were great that when your final down came at Colorado – you were moving on, and it wasn't to the NFL. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, I, one of my favorite people, I, I know him sort of in the margins. I don't know him well, but I love his story. Played for the Denver Broncos. He's on, on the radio now. He works in the fan. Nate Jackson. I mean, this guy went to the school he played at was so small, I can't even remember the name. So I, I, it was, it was, I think it was Division Three school. Yep. And... And I'm like, to your point, he loved his experience. It just happened to turn out that he had an opportunity to play in the National Football League. They found him, they saw him, he, he performed. But more important than that, I love hearing him tell the story that he loved his experience. It didn't have to come at UCLA or USC or Colorado. It was wherever he was at that that's what I want for every young man who participates in football. Just love your experience, and everything else takes care of itself. Yeah. Now with Dion, as we've let this, you know, settle in and, and digested it, is there a downside from your perspective as somebody that, you know, not only cares greatly, obviously, about Colorado – but just as a member of, of that community, of the, of the Boulder area community, uh, of the state of Colorado, and you've been here now a long time, is there a downside? Well, here's the only downside, and shame on us if, if this thing materializes, it turns out to be a downside. And that is because what's coming, again, this reminds me of about 1987, 1988 so much. What's coming is sort of a cultural uh, influx. When we talk, and let's just be candid, five-star, four-star student-athletes from all around the country, a number of them will be African-American student-athletes who have, who were coveted from some of the top universities, power five universities in the, in the country. How will we as a community, how will Boulder as a community put their arms around these young men uh, and their families uh, and welcome them? Uh, understanding that people are coming from different regions, different backgrounds, having had different experiences. Will we accept? Will we bring them in? Will we make them feel welcome? Or will we 
you know, will there will there be a rejection to that? I, I you know, the the better angels suggest to me that you know the former will be true, um, um, but you know, working in the industry as a diversity, equity, and inclusion um, uh, professional, there is you know there are going to be times where that that road could be a bit bumpy. I think we have, we all have to step up to the challenge and make sure that uh, what could be a sort of a tough a tough time for some isn't and that we uh, open our arms as as a broader community and welcome uh, things that might look, feel, seem different to us. To your potential concerns, when you arrived from Detroit and an Alfred Williams arrived from Houston and a Canavis McGee from Houston and a J.J. Flanagan, you know, from from Los Angeles, from, from inner city Los Angeles, if you will, was there in conversation or individually, was there moments in time where you felt like, man, th- this is so lily white here or this is such a cultural difference from what I'm used to, that it was uncomfortable. Absolutely. And in fact, just about every name you mentioned, I can name probably, you know, uh, you know, we had a, the 87 class was, a, I think there were only 14 scholarships in that class. I think probably, let's say 10 of the 14, and this isn't exact math, but let's say 10 of the 14 or so were African-American. I, I would guarantee you, I would hardly say eight at some point during the first year at the University of Colorado, talk to Coach Mack about transferring out. Not because, not necessarily because something happened, but because culturally there was such a, it was such a jump from where we came from. Um, thank God that, uh, you know, that we had the sort of fortitude to stick with it. And after about a year, we've kind of found a footing. Um, and, uh, you know, the rest is history there. But that's just the, that's, it, that's, that was the reality for us. I happen to think that this generation, uh, in the world we live in now is, is a bit different than what life was like in 1986, 1987. So I think we're further along. That said, um, we still have a million miles to go in this regard. So that kind that that I wouldn't say it's to the level of where I'm worried about it, but that's something we have to be mindful of uh, and make sure that uh, we're doing our best to be adults and be uh, open-minded and be accepting of things that are different than what we might think it should be or what we might think the norm is for us. That's the yeah. challenge. And some of what you're expressing will apply to Deion Sanders in that, you know, Deion is a, you know, is a Floridian who played part of the time in in the South in Atlanta and is coached in Jackson, Mississippi, and has lived in in Texas from what I understand. Another listen, Deion's been around. He's a grown man. He's in his mid 50s. And, and uh, you know, he has been, uh, you know, kind of a multicultural 
you know, person, if you will. He's transcended race in terms of his appeal. We all understand that. But guess what? He's now moving to Boulder, Colorado. And, you know, he, he was, he, I think he assumed it was going to snow a foot between when he uh, was walking around campus at one in the morning on, on Saturday night and when he went to the press conference Sunday, because most people don't understand how great our weather is. But, you know, there's that also, right? That's, that's exactly right, right? And, and we saw it unfold Sunday, Drew. I mean, we saw sort of this convergence of cultures. Um, Dion expressing it in his full authentic self, as we talked about. There was an audience, many of whom were from, you know, were, were supporters of the university from the era in which I played uh, 32 years ago, as you said. And so there was this convergence converging of cultures that I watched this dynamic play out. Uh, and to be honest with you, you know, I was hardened by, um, um, again, Dion's authenticity and the audience's uh, sort of acceptance of that in the moment. That gives me hope. Uh, and that's why I, I'm, I'm absolutely leaning, leaning towards and depending on the, uh, the, uh, the environment to be open and accepting probably more so than what it was 35 years ago when I came to vote. All right. Uh, crazy segue, but uh, you mentioned Russell Wilson earlier. So I'll get your, your quick take on a guy that, you know, through the first 10 years of uh, his career, Hall of Fame trajectory. And in fact, if he retired tomorrow, to, to me, he's a Hall of Famer, two Super Bowls, great, great numbers in Seattle. From your perspective, as a guy that played the position, albeit at the collegiate level, but you understand the position exceptionally well. What has has gone on with Russell Wilson? What do you see when you take in Bronco games? I think it's the perfect storm of all bad things that could happen. And, and um, I mean, it really is. I, I think if you look at Russ, in part, a lot of the 10-year success that he had at Seattle was in part his own individual brilliance, but supported by a dominant defense, um, uh, a, a running game that was always one of the best in the league, uh, a very tenured season experienced head coach uh, and a staff that had consistency. And so if you look at all those things, and you look at the Denver Broncos, you say, well, they offer up almost none of those things. Uh, and it's, so it, it's exposing, it's exposing, um, uh, Russ because he's the focal point. He's the quarterback. He probably get, probably, probably got more credit than he deserved at Seattle. And he's getting, in my opinion, more blame than he deserves here in Denver. Um, the other thing I say, Drew, I don't know that the roster is as good as, as the media or many thought it was uh, coming into this season. You know, the idea that the Denver Broncos were a Russell Wilson away from winning a Super Bowl, I always thought was absurd. Uh, it assumed a lot of things that just weren't – there was no evidence to uh, to prove, to bear it out. I thought that perimeter players were okay, had the potential to be great, but hadn't proven anything. I thought uh, the offensive line similarly. It was a patchwork, a hodgepodge of different um, than people coming in and out. So nothing was established. And then you add to that an unproven head coach who, you know, I was always, I was always quite frankly, a little bit skeptical of because I thought he there was too much fanboy there and not enough, you know, substance to say this is what we're doing and how we're going to do it. And so I think it was just the perfect storm of all things that uh, that turned out bad in this case. And 
I think, but I do think there's, you know, the story is is not completely written yet. I think there will be a turnaround because what Russell Wilson is, despite what's taken place this year and is bared out and is bore out over ten years, is a damn good quarterback. Yeah, I, I think uh, honestly, I was chuckling initially that it was convergence of all bad things. I I love how you phrased that, but I think honestly, you're right, and I'm with you. I'm not saying that we'll, that Russell Wilson will be the Russell Wilson of his absolute prime, but there's more good, and I still think a lot more wins left in Russell Wilson's uh, wallet uh, going forward. Probably not this year, clearly, but uh, I, I do think that this will get it can't get worse. So I don't want to say get better, but I think it'll get significant. <laughs> I think it'll get significantly better. But I think it's a great synopsis um, of, uh, of you know what has transpired. And I think you're you're right on. I do think some people got carried away a little bit and overvalued you know certain players and certain units, um, and and felt like yep, just Russell Wilson away, and and, and they're going to be world beaters. Um, as I let you go, and I I can't thank you enough because it's it's always great chatting with you and I felt that way when when we were both in the media together and and when I do have the opportunity we could do this we could do this for another two hours man and, and it's the time just flies by so I really appreciate the opportunity to do this and and again uh ho- hopefully this isn't our last uh no uh, listen if you're willing because I because I know you know you're a corporate guy now so I can I can throw a mic in front of you and we'll we'll do this periodically because I I love it uh, and we can talk about uh any subject and it's and it's going to be you're going to make it compelling and, and interesting I'll, I'll leave you with this one though i saw you with some teammates the other day how often do you guys get together and tell old stories and, and embellish old stories and, and then just tell flat out lies you know well the, the, probably the lies you should have said first because that's the most pro, you know that's the most prominent of the stories that are being told but uh uh um uh, almost regularly. That's you know we were talking earlier about loving your experience. Um, you know an outcome of loving your experience in, in playing college athletics are the relationships you build. Thirty five years ago, you know that, that group that we talked about, you know Bienemy and and Alfred and Canavis and Greg Thomas and Joe Steed and 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 um, uh, uh, George Hemingway and Mike Pritchard and. And, and Chad Brown and we we talk regularly and I what I've learned over the what I've come to appreciate is that's not always the norm with teammates especially when so much time has has passed I mean I don't think there is a month that passes that I don't talk to the majority of those guys and in some cases I talk to them every day uh, and so uh, that's what I value that's what I treasure treasure uh, most from my experience and. You know, when you talk about the lies, here's where the lies become most prominent. Not in what we did 35, 33, 34 years ago, but in how much guys weigh today. There's, there, there is no bigger lie told than how much guys actually weigh. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, it used to be that you don't ask a woman her weight or her age. Look, if you want to get into a fight with an old teammate, ask them how much they weigh. Oh my goodness, Drew, you got a fight on your hand, especially when you know that they're going to tell a lie and you call them out on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that is, that is hysterical. But I, I'm going to go, I, yeah, that, it is true. 
It is true. You're lucky, you know, you were like the 5'10", 180 pound guy. So everybody say, CJ's still 5'10", 180 pounds, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. There's nothing like the safety. There's nothing, I'm not going to call a name, but there's nothing like the safety who played at 215, 220, and they're telling you, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm 297, which means they're 302. Uh, that's, there's nothing like that, man. I mean, I have a field day with these guys, boy, and I tell you, I, I better do it from a distance because they beat me up if I was just in, in yeah, that yeah. that That's perfect. But I, I will say this, that I, I think it's awesome um, that your memories, and you guys accomplished so much, as, as everyone knows, in, in our state. Uh, but more importantly, at whatever level you played, I always say this, CJ, the most beautiful thing about sport is that it is twofold for me off the top. One, that it does transcend a lot of what we were talking about. It transcends race and ethnicity and, and religion. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. And, and that's one of the things I love the absolute most about sport. And the other thing is, is the bonds that it forms. I have inextricable bonds with guys I played high school football with. They're the, I, I could call any one of them just like you know you can call any of the guys you just mentioned tomorrow, and they'll come running in a, in a New York minute to help you out, to be there for you. And that is the, you know, forget the wins and that and the, you guys were blessed, the championship. It, that's, that's the most important element of sport for me. That's right. It's what makes it special, Drew. And I wish everyone you know, could grasp that concept or even experience it. But it really is, um, you know, that, that special thing that makes that experience uh, so meaningful. Yeah. CJ, you're the best. Um, I wish you nothing but uh, uh, more good things uh, at, uh, at, at Ball. And uh, I look forward to seeing you. Well, I'm going to see you before then. We're going to talk well before that. But I look forward to seeing you in uh, – when Colorado tees it up against Nebraska next fall. My man, love you, brother. Yeah, love you back, man. Take care. Again, big thanks to CJ. We're gonna we're gonna make it uh, a habit to have CJ on periodically. I mean, he he brings so much wisdom to a number of topics, not just the University of Colorado, and he has uh, well thought out opinions on a number of sports topics we'll have cj on uh, periodically and um it was it was a joy just to catch up with him uh firsthand in boulder because it had been a little bit since i had seen him man remember giving him a ride home once he and his kids from the airport several years ago and they were kids and now they're in grad school amazing how time flies hey one of the things we're gonna do in the next couple of weeks is a best of we had uh, i think a, a great 2022 um so thrilled to have uh, a number of guests on and get into a variety of subject matter. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll have kind of our best of theme through the holidays. And you'll hear from Connor Joe, Dave Logan, Clint Hurdle, Cargo, Chuck Nasty, and others as uh, we reflect back on uh, on some of what we produced here on the podcast in 2022 and it'll allow you to uh, to reminisce as well as we put a, a period on this year so that'll be over the next couple of weeks download subscribe all that good stuff in the meantime happy holidays enjoy the family enjoy your friends and uh, we'll do it again in seven days take care everybody 